And how many know Resurrection Day is not just about Jesus being raised from the dead, but it is also about what? It's about you, and it's about me being raised from the dead. There's a reason why uh, it was, when Jesus was raised from the dead, why it was the most significant, and it was the biggest miracle of all time. It's bigger than the creation of the world. It's, it's bigger than anything else. It's because not only was Jesus raised from the dead, but he was raised from a place where he took our sin and he took our pain and took every curse and took it upon himself. And he overcame all of that. And Ephesians tells us that we were raised together with him. Okay, this was some heavy duty resurrection. I got to tell you, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Uh, this resurrection was so powerful that it took you and I along with it. Now, it took us a little while to get in on that. But even, even in their day, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it's interesting that um, there was an earthquake. The earthquake seemed to happen at the time of the crucifixion, but it apparently opened a number of graves, okay, in their day. And then when Jesus came busting out, they came with him. I mean, I mean there, it doesn't give us a whole lot of detail. It would be interesting to see that. But uh, a lot of people who had already passed away from the Old Testament, they came busting out of the grave. There was just so much resurrection power. It's like you can hardly keep it from raising somebody else up too. I, I don't know about you, but I like that kind of power. I like this kind of thing. We're talking about the resurrected Christ, how we get pulled right along with it, you know. <laughs> you think about some of those science fiction movies when they have the, the black holes in space. Know what I'm talking about? And they have a, uh, they have the gravity. It starts pulling all the, you know, the, the vessels of the starships. And <laughs> let's stay with the word here now. <laughs> all and all it gets sucked all in because of the, the strong gravitational pull. And I think about when Jesus was raised from the dead. He just come busting out. There was such glory and power that uh, it just pulled a lot of people with him. And they showed up and appeared unto many people. And we don't have a lot of the details about that, but that's pretty amazing. But that's the same power. That's the same power of Christ that's in us today. Come on. I don't know about you, but I have been resurrected from the dead already. Yeah, resurrected in my spirit. And you have been as well. And so let's look over here at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, I want to just touch a couple things here about uh, the resurrection and about um, this special day that we're celebrating, how it is the most significant day in Christianity, because if it weren't for this, we'd all be toast. Period. I mean, we'd be, we'd be here for nothing, and we'd be gathered together, we'd sing a lot of songs, we'd go away the same. All right? It'd be like a little concert, little fellowship gathering, but no lives changed. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in one thing, and that is Jesus being magnified and lives being changed. If there's no power associated with what we're doing, then I say we quit doing it, okay? I say we go do something else, go skiing or something, you know, go do some natural thing. But if this is the real thing, then let's give our lives to it and say, hey, bring it on, Lord. I'm here to do what you want me to do, and I'm going to be involved in the kingdom forever. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 14. Uh, Paul making the case here, the case here for the resurrection of the dead in a general sense, not specifically about Jesus. But he says, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact 
the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. We know the only reason that we are not still in our sins is because because he was raised from the dead. Amen. He said, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Fallen asleep in the Bible usually means they died physically. All right. Uh, He said, if... In this life only, we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiable. All right. And so what we're talking about here is uh, what we celebrate today is only valid, is only important because of the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And and we must not be confused and duped into backing off even the slightest degree from proclaiming that message. Because if we don't magnify that, we get into a religious form, a religious system, and we might as well be talking about some other, uh, you know, some other God, which there are none, but you know what I'm talking about. People have exalted them, created all kinds of religious systems. And, uh, and exalted their God. But you can, go to the, you can go to their graves. But you're not going to go and see the grave of Jesus. Well, if you, if you do, they supposedly have found the tomb. But there's nobody in it. <laughs> and that's the one thing that sets us apart from everything else is that our Savior has conquered death. He was not subject to it. And that has produced life in us. Now look at uh, Mark chapter 15 with me. Mark chapter 15. And this here, of course, is talking about how when Jesus was crucified, how he bore our sin. He was crucified on the cross. And of course, it's giving the outward side of this. Now, I said talking about how he bore our sin. It doesn't really reveal that here. They didn't see that. The people looking on, the disciples, the Jews, the Romans, all the, they didn't see our sin on him. But how many know that's the reason he was doing what he was doing? Amen. They saw the outside, but later we got to see into the inside, behind the scenes, what was happening. Mark 15, at the very end, it says here, 37... And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now this is a very significant event, what happened here. Not only was all that Jesus was doing a supernatural event, but this was attested to here by another miracle, a sign from God as to what was taking place kind of behind the scenes. All right, Jesus died, all they saw was the physical death, but how many know there was something spiritual happening there? All right. Now, behind the scenes, there were, there were other things transpiring here, and people didn't realize it, but one thing they saw is this veil. All of a sudden, this thing was huge. This thing was like 60 to 90 feet in our, in our dimensions tall. And it was a thick, thick piece of veil, and it spanned the whole distance of that place it was in, and it ripped from the top. First of all, how did he get up there? Second, 
How do you tear something like that? I mean, this was an amazing feat. This was not something that man could do. And it happened the very moment that Jesus died. The timing is critical. This all reveals something. First of all, what was that veil all about? It was, uh, it was a, the, the fabric there was a separating item between what was called the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. Okay, in the temple that was established in the Old Covenant. Back then, in their day, God, of course, did not dwell on the inside of any person. Okay, no one, no one would say, Jesus is in my heart. First of all, they might say, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? <laughs> uh, but secondly, the Lord didn't live inside of a person. The Holy Spirit didn't live inside of anyone. Okay, he would anoint people at times to do his to do the work of God, but God's presence was kept in the Holy of Holies, and it was very clear to them, they had very specific instructions as to how they were to treat that. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant was inside of that place, but it wasn't like a museum where everyone can come by and check it out, and hey, let's go look at the Ark. And uh, No, it was very uh, much understood in their day that God was holy, and they weren't. I mean, they were God's holy people in the, in the sense that He set them apart for Himself, but they were still lost in sin. They were continually reminded by all the sacrifices that were required of them that they fell short of God's glory. How many know one of the purposes, the main reason for the law given, the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments, was simply to show people that they fell short of God's glory? They needed to understand that, man, you're a sinner. You don't reach God's standards. And they needed a law so they could know that they break it regularly. All right. It's a great uh, tragedy when people, and many people are fallen in this today, where they feel like, I'm okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. <laughs> Everybody can just do whatever they want to do, live however they want to live, and everyone's just accepted. Not not that's not the case we need to have an understanding pre-christ now that we're lost without him it needs to be very clear that our ways and our sins and that includes every single one of us we have come short of god's glory but anyway back to the temple and the holy of holies god's presence was there and that thick humongous veil separated the very presence of god from the rest of the people. He wanted to be there amongst them, but they couldn't get too close. Okay? They couldn't get in there. In fact, the high priest could go in there once a year and atone for the sins of the people for that year, but under very specific instructions and guidelines and coming in with the blood of the lamb, he could go in there, but uh, nobody else. You couldn't get that close. Now, all of a sudden, when Jesus dies, out of nowhere, it seems, this veil is ripped in two. What is happening here? Well, this is a symbol. This is a picture and a demonstration that God is coming out. <laughs> that God is no longer, His presence will no longer be contained within a place that people can't get to. But He was going to come out and live amongst the people that He loved and gave His life for. Okay, and, and the fact that this veil was rent, it, it, it timed, it was uh, 
the timing was exactly corresponding with the moment that Jesus died. Isaiah 59, 2 tells us that by uh, your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you. And so that, that veil, that separation of sin had to be dealt with before God could be among his people and we could stand and handle his presence. Now, now look at Colossians with me. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And let's get a little more insight. Of course, they saw these things from the outside, from an outward perspective. The disciples in their day, uh, they, would, they would hear Jesus talking, and he would tell them, I'm about to be turned over to, uh, uh, turned over to these guys. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be whipped. I'm going to be hurt. And I'm going to die. On the third day, I will rise again. And they didn't seem to get it. The whole, the, he would talk about it. One time Peter got in his face and said, no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, he was yielding to the devil and he got rebuked by the Lord Jesus. But he attempted to tell them what was about to transpire. But it's like it just never sunk in. And part of the reason some of these things were kept a mystery. All right. And, and he would talk to him even towards the very end. They would be talking to him saying, Lord, is now the time you're going to set up your kingdom on the earth? Is this the time when, when you're going to... Because they thought he's going to become king of Israel. Overthrow the Romans. And, you know, and set everyone free and, and, and rule and reign there. But he was building a spiritual kingdom, wasn't he? And they didn't get it. Okay. But uh, through all that, that stuff, they saw the outside. When Jesus was on the cross, they saw a physical man. I mean, they, many respected him as the Christ, but they didn't understand. But why in the world is he dying? They didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. How many know there's always something going on that you can't see? It's true today. It's true today that even in this place right now, there, are, there is spiritual activity. There are, God is on the move. He's been thinking about you. He's been planning stuff for your life. He knew you'd be here this day. And he said, I'm going to talk to them today. I'm going to get in their seat with them. I tell you what, there are things happening behind the scenes. The angelic uh, hosts of heaven are the real deal. The Bible tells us they've been sent forth as ministering spirits for those who shall be heirs of salvation. You know, there are angels on assignment in your life. Oh, absolutely. And there are, th there are thoughts that you had. And you thought, man, I was, that's pretty sharp of me to come up with that. I tell you what, it was a, it was a thought given to you by the Lord. Because he wants to use you, wants to do something special in your life. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Notice, he's talking about a mystery here. Why is it called a mystery? People couldn't figure it out. People didn't clearly see it. They didn't know what God was up to. The Lord prophesied this right after mankind sinned in the very beginning, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Are you listening now? seed of the woman is Jesus. The serpent is Satan. And he crushed his head, his authority. 
took it back. But, but, but it was written in language where if we'd have read it without the New Testament, we'd have went, wonder what that means. wonder how that fits in. But now, we're, see, we're operating in a level of knowledge that people didn't have for thousands of years. This was a mystery. It was done so on purpose. Partly because, uh, you know, Satan was involved in this. He's the one that's about to get his head bruised. Are you listening? About to get that authority taken back from him. And the Lord kept it hidden from him. The prophets would prophesy of him in Isaiah and different places. In fact, all the books of the Bible, Old Testament books, prophesied about Jesus and how he would come. But it wasn't clearly seen. Even... uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, if, uh, if the princes of this world had known, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. They just said, no, I'm backing off. I'm not doing this because it was through that crucifixion and concurrent resurrection from the dead that dealt a devastating final blow to the works of darkness. And when the enemy thought that he was engaging in triumphant victory over the very Son of God, guess what happened? He came blowing out of the tomb. Come on. Alive, defeated him, and gave resurrection power. And not only was Jesus there alive with authority and power, but he took a bunch of people with him. (laughs) Who was that? You and me. And every person who would eventually call on his name, we were raised up, as Ephesians says, together with him to seat in heavenly places. Praise God. And so, you know, we we must understand uh, some of the... The, the incorrect thinking and theology that goes around today. Some talk about uh, this so-called brotherhood of man and, and how really on the face of the earth we're all God's children. They say, well, we're all God's children. You know, that's not really true. Okay. You say, isn't it? Well, according to Jesus, I'm not speaking on my own authority. Jesus, remember, he, he spoke to the Pharisees. Pharisees one day, he said, you are of your father, the devil. I know that's not really a compliment, but I can say it because that's what Jesus said. He was speaking to them, and he said, you're of your father. Your dad is the devil. Well, was he right or wasn't he? When the Scripture talks about in 1 John that now we are children of God, well, something had to happen that would make us children of God. There are two groups of people in the earth today, and it's not that God is looking down in, in, in our city and seeing Life Church and seeing, uh, you know, all the different churches around the valley, and, and He has them all separated and distinguished in His mind that these are all the different groups. No, if someone has received the Lord and become a son of God, then that's one group. There are really two groups, like I said, those who've received the Lord and those who haven't. All right. We put a lot of other names, and and, and don't get me wrong, God does establish local churches, and they should have a name. It's easier to find them. Okay? (laughs) How do you do a website if you don't have a name? (laughs) But we must understand, in a spiritual sense, we are one with any other person who calls on the name of the Lord, who has received the Lord, whether they have a different denomination or group on their church we're still one because God sees again too people who are alive and people who are dead and the question about you who's your dad it's either the father now hold on or it's the devil what does that mean it's talking about our nature 
our spiritual nature. A person is either alive spiritually or they're dead spiritually. And every one of us either are or were dead. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there comes a point in time. Thank God it came. I was pretty young when my grandmother shared with me about receiving Jesus. And I laid on my bed. And I prayed. And I received Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. And everything was different. Now old things are passed away. And all things have become new. Has that happened in your life? If it has, man, you're glad. If it hasn't, you're squirming a little bit on the inside right now. That's okay. You're not going to be thrown to the kick to the curb. We're going to help you out of that. Because you can have that same experience today. It'll change everything. It'll change you forever. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's the work of God. Nothing short of that. No social program could fix it for you. No, no, no workout. No discipline regiment could you get on to fix this it stems from a dead spirit but Jesus was raised from the dead so you could experience life in your spirit change everything praise God anyway where were, where were we this mystery they saw the outside but now we've been made aware of what what took place behind the scenes I don't want to go into all that now we will talk about that another time what happened when Jesus died because he didn't show up back on the earth for a few days what was going on during all that there were things that the bible reveals to us that happened between the cross and the throne but this is some of what was what was happening in god's great plan he said in verse 27 to them god willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles which is christ in you the hope of glory what was God's plan through all of this well he was in the holiest place of all in the holy of holies separated at least to some degree by this veil because of the sin of mankind and Jesus took that sin bore the price and God said I'm coming out now and I'm coming and here's the plan I want to get on the inside of every person who will receive me he loved us so much I don't want to hold you at a distance I don't want you to relate to me as some distant God some far away unreachable figure in your life I want to come and indwell you and live in you and be with you every single moment of every day for all eternity this was God's plan that he would indwell mankind I I think about how man was created in the beginning and God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day and we think oh wasn't that great be great to fellowship with God and then of course man rebelled against God's plan sold out his rights and privileges as the as the dominating force in the earth and you would think that maybe God you know just kind of being a little ticked off at that I mean (laughs) would say okay you know what Yikes! You know, I am loving everything, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a way to get you back, but I'm gonna keep you kind of down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you were here. I'm gonna get you back so you don't have to suffer in hell. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give you here so you'll always remember it would have been right to do it right the first time. This is God's amazing love. This is God's amazing grace. 
He started us here. Man sinned and fell down to the bottom. And he said, I'm going to bring you back, but I'm going to bring you up here. He made us a new creation. Now we can be in Christ. Now he can be in us. I don't have any, any scriptures that I'm aware of that tell me that the Lord was in Adam. That he was his dwelling place. But God walked with him. But now God took what man messed up and made it better than ever before. What an amazing love. What an amazing God we serve. And so this is the mystery. He said, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Goes on, verse 28 says, him we preach. Who do we preach? Him. Who are we supposed to be preaching? Him. We are to be preaching Jesus. That's the main message and focal point of the church in the earth today. I realize some groups have gotten away from that. They talk, I mean, the, the main focus of their discussion is just on social issues and, and dealing with people on a real natural level. But we must realize there's only power in Him. All this resurrection power that we celebrate today is found only in Christ. If I separate my message from the message, I lose the power that accompanies it. Then I get into a situation where uh, what was prophesied would happen in the last days. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power. When I'm not speaking of Jesus and what He has accomplished for me and what He did on the cross... In his death, burial, and resurrection, when I don't speak of that, I don't have any confirming power to back anything up. And that's the problem with with churches becoming too socially minded. And I don't know if that's the exact word I want to use, but uh, just dealing with things from a natural realm and not dealing and focusing primarily on the resurrected Christ. When you talk about what the Lord has done, He backs it up with signs and wonders. He backs it up with miracle power and lives are changed and bodies are healed. And I don't want to have anything less than that. I'm not really interested. I found out that there, there's, there's something special about the name of Jesus. When the name of Jesus is proclaimed, it gets people's attention, doesn't it? You, you just go anywhere. Go, in, go into the mall or go to a restaurant for lunch and, and just say, Jesus. <laughs> and watch what happens. Heads will turn. You know, you, you've been in a, sitting at a restaurant before and someone's sitting behind you. They're having a discussion. You're not really paying attention until you hear the word Jesus come up in their conversation. All of a sudden you're listening now. Hmm, what are they saying? Are they Christians? What are they talking about back there? You're listening. You know, even when people get angry. Sometimes people will get angry at someone and something will go wrong. Or they're driving down the road and someone, you know, cuts them off. You know, or someone, you know, like on a, uh, the green Yield to turn left. They don't cross the line. They just stay there instead of getting out in the intersection. You know those people? (laughs) We'll have an altar call for those. (laughs) Let me get back to my point now. I got sidetracked there. Something going wrong. And what do people do who don't know him and don't love him? They'll use that same name in a derogatory fashion. They'll use the name of Jesus as a cuss word. What a tragedy. But it seems that with that name, there's no neutral ground. You're either saying it because you want to, and you're giving him praise and thanks, or you're sharing what the good things that he has done, or people will use the name Jesus Christ in a derogatory way, and it's, you, you can't really stay neutral with that. 
You know, like we say sometimes, I've never heard someone, you know, banging in a nail and they hit their thumb and they say, ah, you know, Buddha. <laughs> ah, Muhammad. You, you don't hear that, but you do hear people yelling out the name of Jesus in a disrespectful way. It is the crucial and the key name in all of the earth and of all of time. And if we give it the proper place in our lives, here we go. We are being set up for miracles and power and the very resurrection power of Christ to work in us. From the inside out, from the spirit level of being born again by what He has done to operating in His grace and mercy today. I I want to show you this in another place. Just turn left. Hold your finger there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What was His main focus and message? It was Jesus Christ. It was Him crucified. If that was his message, that should be our message. We should focus on the main thing, right? Always keep the main thing the main thing. We can talk about other issues. We can talk about practical stuff. We can talk about, you know, our country. We can talk about politics. We can talk about a lot of things because some of those things are contained in the Word. But at the same time, we must keep our focus on Jesus. When we do that, God will confirm it. When we do that, there'll be power that will transform a life. And again, I think we should be together on this. If we're not seeing that, stuff it. I mean, if this is not the real thing, if we're not serving a living Christ but a dead religion, let's giddy up on do something else. But we're we're talking about the real thing. Paul focused on this. Look at verse 4. And my speech and my preaching... We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Notice where the demonstration of the Spirit and power came from? It came from His message of Jesus. This is what I'm preaching. And I, He said, I came. It wasn't real elegant. It wasn't with enticing words. I didn't say everything just perfect to dazzle people with my excellence of speech. He said, but I came talking to you about Jesus and I came with power. That should be the hallmark of Christianity today. Too many times the church is not taken seriously because people in the church lack power. Not because the Lord is sitting idly by not willing to do anything. Because we haven't really stepped up to the plate to recognize the amazing power in the resurrected Christ. And how that same resurrection power lives on the inside of every believer. Amen. And how we can expect. You know you should expect miracles today. Yeah. You should expect miracles all this week. At your work. At home. Everywhere you go. Things will happen. Supernatural things. Divine appointments. People get healed of stuff. It should be normal. Why? It's because of the person who lives in us. The miracle working Christ lives in us. It makes no sense for me to live a natural life, void of power, void of substance, void of something that's life-changing, when He lives in me. Amen. Praise God. Well, we were talking talking about this just recently in another service, but I I had heard about a particular woman 
uh, who had gotten saved and just came to the Lord, received the Lord Jesus, and the person who was uh, either led her to the Lord or spoke with her shortly thereafter basically told her uh, that you're, you know, of course, you're a Christian now, you're saved, you're, you, you're, you're forgiven, all this stuff. And they said, now you should begin to expect the, the miraculous to happen in your life. And so she did. She just believed the person. That's pretty smart to do. But this woman did not have scripture to back up anything she was doing because she just didn't know the Bible. Wasn't schooled in that. She just believed what the person told her. You can start expecting miracles now in your life. And she went out and started praying for people, laying hands on people, and started getting people healed everywhere she went. All of a sudden got a reputation. That person, they got miracles in their life. And she'd pray for people. They'd get healed. All kinds of stuff would happen. And she didn't even know the Bible. She, all she did, she just believed, okay, oh, well, I'm saved. I'm a supernatural, supernaturally saved, and so I should expect the miraculous in my life. And so she did, and she had it. Hmm. Well, is that scriptural? <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from We need to analyze things by scripture. But yes, it is scriptural. But just a simple belief that God's in me, I can have this stuff, it was activated in her life. You in Colossians? Let's finish up. Colossians chapter 1 again, verse 28. It says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. How does a person result in perfect in Christ Jesus? Which means Uh, They're basically grown up. They are mature in the things of God. How does a person arrive at that? They need these two elements in their life. We all need this. What is it? Number one, we need warnings. He said, when you preach this message, you preach Him, do it warning everybody. Do you know that warnings are a big part of the Bible? And one of the things that is appropriate and right for us even to do here today is to warn people. Why would we warn them? Because unless we take certain steps, there is an impending danger that will affect the person. It will affect a lost person for eternity. And it will even affect the saved person in temporary circumstances and situations. A warning is a statement or event that indicates a possible or impending danger, problem, or other unpleasant situation. Part of the reason we preach Jesus and preach the Word is to warn people of what could happen and what will happen if they don't walk the Lord's way, if they don't receive His mercy and His grace. Praise God. Obviously, the biggest one of these is if a person is spiritually dead, we we should be warning them. Not in a condemning way. Not you're an ugly dog. But listen, we need to warn people. Listen, if you don't receive the life of God and the resurrected Christ, there is an eternity. There is an eternity without Him. You know, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is the reality of what will happen at the end of your life. That's kind of a 
pretty hard, harsh warning, isn't it? But it's, it's true. And how many know if you really love someone, you let them know. You let them know, man, listen, yikes, it's not going to look good for you. This is not good. Not, not trying to put you down and make you feel like scum, but you're lost. You're separated from Christ, but the veil has been rent. God wants to live in you. He wants to make his home and abide in you forever. All right? But if, even for believers, we've, you've been saved. You've been born of God. Uh, we live in a rocky road, don't we? We live in a world where things have, have, have fallen apart, and there's a lot of sin, a lot of problems. There are people every day that are experiencing tragedy and death and, and pain and destruction. And if we'll listen, we'll listen to the warnings of God. We can avoid so many of those things. We can miss so many of the, the, the things that are, that are trying to hurt us and harm us in life. Pay attention to the warnings. Whenever the Lord speaks, it can be both direction and a warning if we don't follow His instructions of what could happen. Okay? Have you ever warned somebody and they didn't listen to you? Have you ever warned someone they didn't listen and then they came back and blamed you for it? Uh, don't feel all alone because uh, that happens to the Lord as well. He's warned people. Things didn't go there, uh, didn't go right. They didn't listen. You know, things fell apart and they blamed God. God, why did you let this happen? Why is everything going wrong in my life? Why is everything falling apart? I want you to know the Lord loves you and uh, He doesn't make bad things happen. Nor does he come in and just step in and stop everything bad from happening either. But he will give us warnings. And we, he will try to steer us clear so we can avoid the tragedies that come our way in life. Amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. The second thing he mentioned there was teaching. Is teaching. He said, we, we preach, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. All right. Any person that comes to Christ, they are saved. They have a desperate need from that point on for sound biblical teaching. Say, I'm saved whether I know anything or not. Well, when you receive the Lord, you are saved, but many people struggle in life. They don't know how to answer, answer problems that come. You know, when things fall apart or we're attacked by terrorists or there's storms in nature, there's all kinds of people who are real confused about that kind of stuff. Like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Did God do this? Did the devil do this? Why is this stuff happening? And I just got to be honest with you, I really like having understanding. I don't know everything, but a whole lot of these situations, I don't, I don't fret over them at all. And even when tragedy happens in people's lives and someone dies young, and, and it, though it's a tragedy and, and no taking it, not taking anything away from that, it's sure nice having an understanding. It's sure nice knowing what part God had to play and what part He didn't have to play. Okay, instead of being angry at God and, and so, so confused why everything is happening. Man, the teaching of God's Word will set you free. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 8, that if you'd know the truth, the truth would set you free? But a lot of people come to the Lord, their sins are forgiven, they're happy, but dumb. You know what I'm talking? 
I mean, they've not been educated and had their mind renewed to think. It's important to use your brain. <laughs> it's important to have God's Word infiltrate your thinking and your understanding, and that will change everything about how you live. Amen. Too many people today, I think, uh, they, they live life their own way, and they want to serve God their own way. Well, I just want to serve the Lord in my own special way. You know, there's a, a kind of a big movement, if you want to call it that, today among, among people who have, are disbanding anything organized. And they say, I, I'm saved, I received the Lord, I have a relationship with God, but as far as going to church, you know, I just want to serve God my own way. I just, uh, you know, stay home, I read my Bible, and and, and I got to tell you, most of those people, they're not really reading their Bible when they're at home. <laughs> because if they were, they'd eventually run into scriptures like Hebrews 10 that tell them to go to church. And they think they're free from, you know, I'm free from this organization. I'm free from this uh, you know, religious system. I'm serving God in my own way. But I want to tell you, God did organize some things. He did establish that certain people would be in certain places and positions. And one of the big needs here is that the body of Christ be taught the Word of God. We don't get everything on our own. That's just the fact. You get some stuff on your own, but not everything. We're supposed to receive from one another. Jesus in his hometown, he, he went there and he was surprised. Because he went in there and uh, he tried to get people healed. And he could get the hangnails taken care of. And, and he got a few headaches healed. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here. But the, he, the Bible said he couldn't do any mighty works. In Nazareth, where he grew up, he went in there preaching. And uh, not much else. Got a few things healed. But he said he couldn't get anything done. Jesus. Amazing. And the Bible, here's what it said about that. He marveled at their unbelief. He said, Wow. You guys are impressive. <laughs> Your unbelief is amazing. And it kept Jesus himself from doing a whole lot of mighty stuff. But here's, here's what I want to get to. What was the solution to that problem? Is he went about in a circuit teaching everywhere he went. Teaching everywhere he went. How do you dispel unbelief? The teaching of God's word. When our eyes are open and we see and understand. That's when things are made clear. Praise God. Jesus taught in the parable of the sower that when a person understands, that's when the seed is able to produce in their life. We've got to be taught the Word of God. Amen. Today's Resurrection Day. Woohoo! We've been raised from the dead. What an important day that it is. Aren't you glad Christ came to live in us? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you now for everything you have done. Thank you for Jesus. And what he has accomplished on our behalf. I thank you that Christ has come to indwell us. Praise God that the mystery is revealed of Christ in us. The hope of glory. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of every person now. That your resurrection power has been, has been made available to each and every one of us to live in, to walk in, to experience day by day. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for showing us. Father, I pray for those today who've never been saved. They're not on their way to heaven. In fact, if they were to